Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Hello, neighbor. Anybody know what show I'm referencing right now? Young ones in the room, maybe you're thinking of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, right? That's what you're all thinking, Daniel Tiger. Okay, so back in my day, I was born a long time ago, and um, back when dinosaurs were on the earth, and there was a show on TV called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Y'all know that show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, right? Great show. Uh, he's a, still a source of inspiration. In fact, I think his wife passed away this week. So uh, sad to I hear that as I was preparing this message. But he had this thing where he would start every show and he would walk in the door and he had his suit coat on, his tie. So he looked like he came, you know, fresh from work. And he takes off of his suit coat. He puts it on a hanger. He puts on the cardigan sweater, right? I didn't have a good cardigan sweater to put on today, so I'm sorry to let you down. But he had the best sweaters. And then he would do this thing where he would take off his work shoes, right, his, his leather shoes, and he would put on his, comf- his comfy house shoes, like tennis shoes. And today, uh, I'm going to do the same thing. And I want you to think about the symbol, Mr. Rogers coming home and you're in his house. What was it he's trying to communicate to the people watching the show? Perhaps to the latchkey kids that were home by themselves and parents were working all the time. Maybe he wants them to know like, hey, I'm, I'm a, a parent figure coming home to hang out with you, to talk with you, or maybe it was simply just make yourself at home, right? But it was symbolic. And today, I, I'm, I'm actually using a symbol. It's not a fashion statement, okay? If you're getting fashion cues from Chris, like you have problems, okay? We, we can talk about that later. But a, a symbol that I hope will make more sense to you as we go on today, but you can see this shoe says faith right here. And... Um, let me tie that shoe. And you'll see my other shoe here it says fear. Fear. Faith and fear. Today I want to talk to you about faith over fear. That's the, the, the title of my sermon today, Faith Over Fear. And I'm hoping that maybe the shoes will start to make a little bit more sense as we look at a famous story in the Bible, a story that you've probably read a hundred times. Maybe you've heard uh, preachers preach on this story, but I wanted to look at this story together of Jesus walking on the water and Peter joining him to walk on the water. If you have a copy of scripture, if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, 
I want us to look at this story together. And as I was praying about this morning, as I was praying about really this kind of this year, this season of life that we're in on planet Earth, I was drawn to this story, this account of Jesus. And so it's Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse 22. And I just want to let you know what's happened. Jesus has just uh, come into a region and thousands of people have gathered around him. It says that he healed all their sick. I mean, it's been a mind-blowing day for these disciples. And then they, they were hungry. The people were hungry. And so Jesus, you know, he feeds the 5,000 people with uh, a few fish and a few loaves. And they've seen the, the food multiply. Okay, so that's, that's the context of what's happening here. And in verse 22, we pick up the story. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. He made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they, they said, and they cried out in fear. Verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. This is the word of the Lord. So the disciples have a mind-blowing day with Jesus. They've seen incredible miracles. And then he makes them get into the boat. Now, now that kind of caught me off guard as I was reading the story that Jesus makes them. And as I looked at the original language, it has a sense of force. Like if you've ever, you know, been somewhere that you're not supposed to be and like a security guard is kind of like, okay, you need to leave now. It's like, that's the, the, the picture. It's like he's literally guiding them like, okay, you guys need to go now. Like, get in the boat and go ahead. Now, parents, you probably know how this is when it's bedtime and you're like, mom and dad, like, need a break. And you're like, go to bed, right? You, you make them lie down. You make them go to bed. It's the same idea, this forcefulness. Jesus makes them get in the boat. But you saw the story. A storm comes. A storm rises. Now, just think with me for a second. Jesus 
He, he, throughout the scriptures, he tells them how several of them are going to die. He tells them that the temple is going to be torn down. He tells them what the end times are going to look like. Now, Jesus knows all things. As the Son of God, he can see all things, all things coming. He knows what's going to happen. And he makes them get into the boat. See, the first thing I want us to understand is that sometimes Jesus will lead you into a storm and not around it. And that, that kind of caught my attention as I was reading the story that Jesus, he, he sends them at the moment when there's a storm coming. Why? Jesus leads them into a storm and not around it. Um, now, imagine how these guys are feeling as you read the story of the boat is battered by the waves in verse 24. The wind was against them. And they're distant. They're out in the middle of the, of the sea. It's like it's several stadia away. So it's possibly three miles these guys are away from shore. I mean, they're out in the thick of it. And the squall comes and the boat is beaten. And the winds are howling. And I'm just imagining they're feeling beat up like the boat. They're feeling resisted. They're feeling exhausted. They're feeling fed up. They feel like this is pointless. We're rowing and we're going nowhere. Ever felt that way before? <laughs> Ever been through a storm of life before? Where you feel beat up. You feel resisted. You feel exhausted. You feel fed up. And you feel like this is pointless. And yet Jesus leads them to that place. <laughs> They're going exactly where and exactly when Jesus said to go. Now, I don't want you to miss that doing what Jesus says to do is always the best thing. Always the best thing to do. But it's often the hardest thing to do. Right? It's always the best thing, but it's often the hardest thing to do. And you and I, when storms come, we're like, you must be living wrong. It's like the, the waves are coming and the wind's howling and you feel all those things. And it's like, surely God's not with you. you you've gone off the path somewhere. Like you've, you've missed him. You've missed his calling. You somehow stepped out of what he wanted you to do because it would be easy for you if, if you were doing what he said to do. But that's not how the story goes. They're doing exactly what Jesus said to do when he said to do it, and it was really, really hard. Now, you've lived long enough to know that not every storm is the result of obeying Jesus, right? I think I've been through some storms that were probably more, uh, more like I was on the wrong path. There's storms of my sin or other people's sin or just the result of living in a fallen world, right? But not every storm is his doing, but you can trust that he's doing something in every storm. Not every storm is his doing, but he's doing something in every storm. He leads them into it. But then the next part is so miraculous, and I just 
think that maybe we've heard the story so many times that we're like, oh yeah, Jesus walked on water, whatever. Now, when's the last time you walked on water? <laughs> last time I stepped into the water, I didn't walk on it, right? I sank into the water. So this is miraculous, right? In verse 25 and 26, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. And I love this. When, he, when they saw him, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cry out in fear. It's literally like Jesus scares the blank out of them. I don't know if you ever had that right. He just totally scares the blank out of these disciples. My, uh, my boys, I have three boys. And they love, I mean, this is almost like a daily occurrence that it's like, hey, guys, time for bed. And they go brush their teeth. And one of them finishes brushing his teeth. And then they go hide behind the door of the bedroom. Because they know, like, any minute now, my brother's coming through here. And it's like, boo, right? So you expect to see your family member every day. You just don't expect to see them hiding behind a door, jumping out at you, right? So it's scary. They love to scare each other. And it's like that with Jesus. Like, yeah, we expect to see him, but not like this. See, the second thing I want us to see is don't give up in the storm. Don't give up in the storm because Jesus is coming. Don't give up in the storm. He might not show up like you think he's going to show up, but Jesus is coming. It said very early in the morning. That would have been between 3 and 6 a.m. And I'm just imagining, okay, they feed 5,000 people, probably around dinner time. Maybe they're mingling afterwards, talking, picking up the remainder, you know, the 12 basketfuls. And then he's like, okay, you guys need to go. So maybe we're saying like 8, 9, maybe 10 o'clock at night. So just wrap your mind around it. They've been rowing for at least five hours, maybe as much as eight hours, five to eight hours. Now, I haven't rowed a boat in a long time, but I'm going to guess that rowing against the wind in the middle of a storm is really, really hard. And yet Jesus, he's waiting. He's praying, spending time with the Lord, spending time with the Father. And he comes very early in the morning, you know, he shows up at unexpected times. And God's timetable and your timetable aren't the same. He's coming, but you don't know when he's coming. Don't give up in the storm because Jesus is coming. And he might come in a way that you don't expect. In fact, it might scare you a little bit when Jesus shows up, right? Can you imagine the adrenaline shock of that? But in verse 27, this is such a crucial moment. I think this is a verse that's so relevant for us today. It's so relevant for any season of life, just as relevant as it was in this moment. Here's what Jesus tells them. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It's I don't be afraid. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, that have courage literally means be of good courage. Be of good cheer. 
That's how your translation might actually translate that word. Be of good cheer. It's almost like a, a, like a joyfulness to be of good courage, to be of good cheer, and to have confidence. Like, have confidence. It's me. Be of good cheer. He says, don't be afraid. And that, that would be like, literally, don't be terrified. Don't be scared away. Don't be seized with alarm. Don't be afraid. It is I, which some scholars believe harks back to Moses when God speaks to him. And Moses says, who shall I say sent me? And he says, tell them that I am sent you. Don't be afraid. Have courage. I am. Don't give up on the storm. Jesus is coming. But we get to this word courage, and it's such an important word, and it really has a lot to do with the shoes that I'm wearing today, this idea of courage. Now, uh, I, I want you to catch this. The third point is that courage isn't the absence of fear. It's faith over fear. Courage isn't the absence of fear, it's faith over fear. If you were to look up in the Webster Dictionary the meaning of courage, it says mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, or withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So it's this strength that is able to withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And I found some, some quotes of some famous people that you know, these are just great people. And so I thought it was interesting. And the first is John Wayne. I, I, I have uh, the, the middle name of Wayne because my parents love John Wayne, okay? So this is like, this, you know, John Wayne. He's John Wayne. He says, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. That's what he said. I like that. Mark Twain says this, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Thank you, Mark. The next one, Nelson Mandela. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. It's not the absence of fear. It's faith over fear. Now, why am I making such a big deal about that? Well, in the church, there's a lot of talk about freedom from fear, right? You know, it's like, hey, I got five steps for you where you can live without fear and buy my book at the end, right? And what happens is you download the sermon about not being afraid anymore and you buy the book with the five steps and you sing the song and then you still feel afraid, but now you feel guilty about it because as last you heard, you're not supposed to feel afraid anymore because if you really love Jesus, then you don't have the fear anymore. And so we say, be free from fear. You can live a fearless life. And, and we can quote a verse like, perfect love casts out fear. And we forget the context of that verse is eternal judgment and punishment from God. He's saying, look, the, the, you, you don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen when you stand before him. You can be at peace with God. Perfect love absolutely casts out fear of punishment. But when I look at a story like this, what I see is an interplay of faith and fear. 
I mean, think about the story. Faith is really high. They've seen Jesus do amazing stuff. I mean, they've seen him multiply the fish and the loaves. They've seen lots of people be healed. And they're like, ah, we could do this. Let's take the mountain. Let's take the hill. Like, faith is high. And then they get forced into a boat by Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Storm comes. It gets really hard. And then a ghost starts walking towards them on the water. And they cry out in fear. Faith fear. But Peter, he sees, it's like, if it's you, Jesus tells him, it's me. If it's you, there's a little bit of fear in that statement. If it's you, command me to come out onto the water. Well, that's pretty daring faith. Command me to come out on the water. Peter steps out on the water and it holds him up because Jesus has commanded the water to hold him up. And faith is high. He's walking towards Jesus. He's doing it. And then he looks at the storm. He's like, wow, that wave is huge. And the wind is like really hard. It's like all of a sudden, it's like all of a sudden, fear's back. And he begins to sink. Now, that's a key phrase. He began to sink. Now, when I get into the bathtub, I don't begin to sink. I sink. (laughs) So there's grace in that. He began to sink. And then Jesus gets in the boat, calms the wind, calms the waves, and they worship him. They say, truly, you are the son of God. It's faith is lifted again. You see, when it comes to following Jesus, we can talk all day long about not being afraid, but it's scary. Following Jesus will absolutely call up in us all of our greatest fears. We will face them head on and we will, you know, we'll think I shouldn't be afraid. I, you know, we'll have all those thoughts. But what's important, no matter whether it's faith that's behind, or fear that's behind you or fear that's in front of you, what's important is that faith always takes the next step. That's what's important. It's an alternating movement of faith and fear. Welcome to following Jesus. Most of us, we wait for our fears to ease before we take the step. But I don't think it works that way. We, we would love a magic wand moment. Oh, Lord, it's gone. Fear's gone. I can finally step out. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It takes courage. And it's what Jesus wants to give to you. It's what Jesus wanted to instill in his disciples. Have courage. Because what matters is that you keep stepping with faith. If you're not convinced yet, I think of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. He's in Corinth, and he says, look, I, I didn't preach with eloquent words of human wisdom. I came knowing nothing except Christ and him crucified. And he says, I came to you in weakness, in fear, in trembling. Meaning what? I was scared to talk to you about Jesus. I was scared to tell you about the gospel. I came in fear and trembling, but Paul did it anyway. When he stepped into Corinth, fear was right beside him, but he had to step in faith. 
Ephesians chapter 6, Paul asked the Ephesians to pray for him that he might be bold enough to speak about the gospel, meaning this guy who did so much for the kingdom, who spread the gospel over the known world, was, he was scared to share the gospel. But he did it anyway. Faith took the next step. <laughs> and you and I, friends, in this time where there's a whole lot of stuff that we could be afraid of, as we look at the instability of nations, as we look at the shaking, as we look at a global pandemic, as we look at the, um, the shifting of our world, we have lots to be afraid of. But I believe God is moving mightily. He's moving. God's doing something in the storm. <laughs> He's at work in the storm. Jesus is coming, and he's just looking for people who will take the next step of faith. And I think he wants you to be that person. He wants you to have courage because courage and faith will be required every step of the way because we're going to have to step out of some boats. I found this quote from Peyton Jones, a book that's called Reaching the Unreached, and he says this, the Bible stories we read unfolded in real time, yet the central characters were unaware their actions were caught, captured, and recorded in the scripture. Kind of like a smile you're on camera, right? One thing you can be sure of, however, is that when they stepped out with alternating steps of faith and fear, they felt confused and lost. Doubt mingled with fear and an added dash of confusion has been the purchase price of nearly every square inch of kingdom ground that has ever been gained. I'm going to read that last sentence one more time. Doubt mingled with fear and an added dash of confusion has been the purchase price of nearly every square inch of kingdom ground that has ever been gained. What he's saying is, this is normal. This fear thing, totally normal. And if you have ever felt afraid when it comes to following Jesus, I want you to know you're not alone. You're not weird. You're not messed up. You're not lacking something necessary. You are a normal human being who's taking steps. You're taking steps. So courage isn't the absence of fear. It's faith over fear. And I just want to take a few moments and just look at what types of fears we might face when it comes to following Jesus. I made a list. You guys can look at. Here's the list. Fears that we might face when taking faith steps. It says fear of danger. This is what the disciples felt all the time. Like it was literally life-threatening for them to speak up about Jesus. Fear of persecution. Fear of failure, ever felt that be uh, before? Fear of what people will think about you. Fear of looking foolish or incompetent. I don't know enough about the Bible. Fear of losing social acceptance. Fear of jeopardizing your relationships. Fear of not having what it takes. Fear of being vulnerable with people about your real life, your real heart. We face all those things 
all the time when it comes to taking faith steps. So what kind of faith steps might Jesus lead us to? Well, I have a list for that too that might help us just kind of get some ideas. These, these lists aren't like the full final word on stuff because there's more fears and more steps, but this is just sort of ballparking some things. The faith steps, there's an obey step where it's like, I, I want you to stop doing something or I want you to start doing something and you know like, I need to obey there's a go step, which is like, I, I want you to go across the street and meet your neighbors, or I want you to go start a house church. I want you to go on short-term missions. I want you to go to Japan. I want you to go on long-term missions. There's a go step. Or there's a give step. We know I'm gonna, it's gonna cost me. Like I, I'm gonna sacrifice some things because I feel like God wants me to give this away. A give step. A relational step. Those can be the hardest faith steps because it, it takes a lot of dying to self, a lot of vulnerability. It could be a, a mending a relationship, mending your marriage, and you know that it's going to take some, some new ground. You're going to have to step onto some new ground to do it. And it's scary. There's the public step, where my private faith becomes public, or maybe it's just simply I'm going to pray out loud in front of people, and that freaks me out. <laughs> but every step is a trust step. Every step is a trust step. So in closing, I want to tell you this. Never forget Jesus is bigger than any storm. Never forget. Jesus is bigger than any storm. Sometimes as a pastor, I get to hear storm stories. I get to sit down with people and some of you and I get to talk over coffee or lunch. And I just, my favorite thing to ask is tell me your story. And what I hear is the twists and turns of life. The, you know, I wasn't following Jesus at this time and I, I made these decisions. It is storm. <laughs> Sometimes it's, I felt like God was calling me to do something. And I stepped out there and it was terrible. <laughs> and it fell apart. It's the twists and the turns, the disappointment, the failure, the dark times, the crisis of faith, the health struggle, the financial struggle, the marriage struggle, the I was trying to do the right thing, but it blew up in my face struggle. It's the storm stories. And you probably have a storm story. I know I do. And if you do, you're in great company. And if you don't, just wait, okay? Just wait. It's like the weather in Texas. If you don't like how it is right now, just wait. It's going to change. Like, that's how it is in life. Like, there's just stuff that happens. There's storms that come. Just wait. But never forget who the hero of the storm story is. It wasn't Peter. Peter took the step. <laughs> Peter also had a lot of fear. And Peter began to sink. And when he began to sink... When fear was in the lead, he cries out in faith, Jesus, save me. And the hand reaches down and pulls him out of the water.
Jesus is the hero of the storm story. And he asked the question, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Now, what do you think Jesus is wanting to um, instill in Peter with the question? You have little faith, why did you doubt? The Greek means you who trust too little. You who trust too little. Why did you waver? Why did you lack confidence in me, in Jesus? You see, Peter begins to sink when he believes that the storm is bigger than what Jesus is commanding the water to do. Does that make sense? Whenever his focus moves towards the waves and the wind, it's like he begins to sink, and then he can look back and say, Lord, save me, and Jesus picks him right back up. So I think what Jesus is after for us is that we would never forget who's bigger. That Jesus is bigger than any storm. So don't let fear have the last step. Keep stepping with faith because the storm will end and Jesus will remain. The wind ceased Then those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.